general nerdery. These shoes fit perfectly. Sorry, I really wanted to start this one. That's, yeah, no, you have at it. I just was waiting for you to point at me, and suddenly you were talking. Oh, God, Paul McGann is so good. This movie that we'll talk about soon is so bad. It's real bad. But there's worse episodes of Doctor Who. Yeah, but... I will watch this a yeah. hundred times before I rewatch Fear Her. I'm with you on that one. <laughs> Welcome to General Nerdery. We're your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. And with us again is our friend Heidi. Hi. Hi, Heidi. Hi, Heidi. Uh, we are back to talk more Doctor Who, in case you didn't catch that, by talking about Doctor Who already. In this case, specifically the 1996 made-for-TV on the Fox Channel News. Uh, not news. On the Fox Channel Doctor Who. I think, <laughs> Failed TV I think pilot. It, it was specifically when Fox had an actual, like, TV movie division. Yeah, it's it's a <laughs> lot. We're going to discuss that. I'll actually talk some of the behind-the-scenes stuff more than we usually do. Ooh, actually, I have some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, too. There's some so. fun stuff on this one. This whole new thing is an experience. Um, But before that... Yes. We actually have a few things to talk about. First, we're going to get through, literally last night, was the Oscars. Yeah, 30 seconds. Uh, Will Smith slapped the shit out of Chris Rock. Cool, now we're done with that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I had Maybe to mention I'm... it, because literally... Since last night, every time I open my phone, that's the only clip it I've is seen. the only thing the internet and my job could talk about today. And I don't give a fuck. Over it. All right, next up. <laughs> oh, and Hans Zimmer won his second Oscar. Good for him. I'm, I'm mostly going to mention that because I loved Dune, and he definitely deserves yeah, did, it for Dune. Dune win like two so. or three Oscars, Probably. Too? That's the only one I heard about because... Will Smith slapped Chris Rock, so... Uh, and there was a very sweet moment that got overshadowed because Liza Minnelli was on as an announcer, but she's like 75 and not fully there anymore and in a wheelchair. I mean, it happens. She's 75. Yeah. And she got a little confused because 75 and health issues. And Lady Gaga was an absolute fucking champion of, like, helping her out without belittling her as it's going on and stuff. And, like, got caught on open mic being like, I got your back. Mm. And it was just very sweet. It's, it's very sweet. It is the one clip of the Oscars I actually did watch, so... See, I hadn't actually heard anything about that yet. The other thing that I caught was uh, Questlove winning an Oscar, which, like, that's amazing. Good for him. Yes. Especially, like, on a night where the Will Smith thing happened. They're both famous for being from Philly, so... What like, did Questlove sort of, win an Oscar for? Oh, uh, he did a documentary, and I think... Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um has a music doc, and I think... I don't think he won, like, Best Documentary, but I think he got something having to do with the music in the documentary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I'd have to look it up again. All I know is that he got one, and I'm really happy for him, so... Yeah, no, that's... <laughs> uh, do we have anything else on the Oscars? Literally, we just kind of couldn't not mention in, it. Encanto in, in won Best Animated. Oh, I heard that, yeah. I still haven't watched Encanto. It's amazing. What I won need... Best Picture? I don't know. Uh, something named was it Coda? Coda? Okay. Yeah, I haven't okay. seen it. So not what everyone was guessing. What were you, what were they expecting? Not Coda. I can't remember what name I heard being brought <laughs> <Okay>. up. <laughs> uh, I want to say what is it? That Army of the Dead or something wants something too. The the no shit. Let me let me look this up. Okay. I know Zack Snyder came up because they were like, choose your favorite cheer out loud moment, and the Snyder Bros got real excited about a Flash moment in Justice League. 
Mm. It was like when he enters the Speed Force, which was... Oh, I mean, it's a good moment, but by cool, that point, was... we have seen... I mean, listen to our episode. We have seen so many slow-mo for like 45 minutes at that point in the Snyder Cut. Um, yeah, it was a shame that that wasn't in the original cut, though. Oh, that it's was a good another scene. fan favorite. Uh, Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead wins first ever Oscar fan favorite award. So another one of those you were talking about before we started recording. The Oscars has started giving ways that like fans can vote awards, but without actually having to give out any Oscars. Yeah, they're trying to be more populist without actually being more populist and making really weird decisions like... They expanded the best picture category, what was it, like two or three years ago from five entries to ten, just so that people would stop whining that, like, blockbusters weren't making it on there. But then, but then, they've, the used, but then they've used that extended category to not still not put blockbusters on there. I mean, I like, our podcast is, like, a good 45% blockbusters and then, like, bad 90s TV shows and comic books. But, like, that's... Those aren't Oscar movies, unless you're looking at, like, special effects, or... Mm, they're not Oscar movies past, like, 1970s and the, like, the sort of indie revolution from then, where people started really trying to become auteurs what? and getting all fucking high and mighty about their cinema. I don't have a problem. Because look at how many sword and sandal fucking pictures used to be. That's true. And I don't actually mind either. I don't really care about the Oscars, so I don't really care if, like, who wins other than, hey, good for you, like, get recognition. I care more on the fact that it tends to boil down to genre bias and technophobia. I'll give you that. The but that's as much as I care about. The kind of closest thing I come in is I get real annoyed when people are like, ugh, Marvel movies aren't cinema. <laughs> it's fine if you don't like them. I understand why someone wouldn't like them. But, like... It's usually people that do, like, schlocky gangster movies for the first half of their career. Great, man. Have fun with that. But, like, we're all watching trash. Mm -hmm. I've considered watching or starting Gotham recently. I know what I'm getting into. Oh, yeah. That <laughs> like, show is fucking trash. <laughs> Sometimes trash is just what you fucking want while the world's exploding around us. That, that's true. But, yeah, I don't know. I saw some... I was actually reading some kind of fun, like, think pieces and people's opinions about some of that stuff online yesterday and people pointing out like eh, they dismiss fucking Avengers movies which that's fine they are just kind of popcorn cinema but a lot of those same people will raise up something like uh, Joker which is also an effects movie except instead of the effects being explosions they're let's make this look like 1970s Scorsese mm. but then Scorsese will be deep. shitty about it like yeah <laughs> Oh, God, the Joker. Oh, God. It's uh, not any no. deeper no, than not. Avengers or Black Panther or... Oh, actually, arguably, Black Panther is like ten times deeper No, Black than Panther Joker. actually deserves consideration for a lot of stuff. It was an yeah. amazing movie. Uh, we did an episode on it <laughs> once in the day. Um, anyway, fuck the Oscars in general. Yeah. I kind of don't like them, but... We had a couple of trailers. Uh, there's a bunch of Moon Knight trailers coming out because that drops in like three days. It'll be out by the time this episode's out. We didn't watch any of them because we've reached the point of, like... I did personally watch one of the clips, but... Yeah, I think like, I saw it was cool. one thing. It's I'm super excited for it. It looks way different than the other Marvel TV stuff we've gotten so far. We were talking about this before we started recording. I still haven't watched all of the Marvel TV stuff. I'm going to put on Moon Knight probably the day it comes out. Have you seen any of this? 
Yes. Okay. I know um, that. No, no, you're fine. You don't have to like. Um, you yeah, look no, terrified. I've seen. <laughs> no, I've seen. Um, I haven't watched all the Moon Knight trailers, but I've seen. I saw all of Wandavision, mm-hmm. which was amazing. Yeah. Oof. That yeah. show is so good. Yeah. <laughs> really good. I cried a lot. Ooh, that show is good. They yeah. did confirm that it's going to have like the same rating as The Punisher, which is pissing off some Disney for kids fans. But like, well, <laughs> so I haven't went into it, but I know that the the Disney Plus app had to change the way that their uh, parental settings were configured because they added the Netflix Marvel shows. Yeah, I mean, there's some uh, of those that I would not show to my, like, five-year-old niece. Oh, yeah, God, no. <laughs> uh, Mostly Iron Fist, because it's terrible. Well, yeah, see, I was like, <laughs> are, reasons. I was like, some are just really bad. Like, painfully bad. But Mostly Iron Fist. Yeah. <laughs> and... Mm, later parts of Jessica Jones, so that I first season is fantastic. Just, yeah. Daredevil season two, about half of it, yeah. But this yeah. is, we're just... Any part the Punisher isn't in? Any part Kingpin isn't in, but uh, <laughs> this is just throwing stones at, like, a five-year-old TV show now. Mm-hmm. What else? We we did watch a couple of trailers, so we watched uh, uh, Lightyear. Yeah, they dropped a new Lightyear clip, which... Is it just called Lightyear, I yeah. think? Okay. Yeah. Fine. I mean, I still haven't watched the last Toy Story. Neither I have I. Really, it's. I do wonder if this was like, hey, Chris Evans will bring in more than Tim. What's his name? Tim Allen. Tim Allen. No, I think it's literally they don't want to work with Tim. Or Allen. The, yeah, they don't because Tim Allen's a I dick mean, back. Would you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the o- the only honestly the only reason I want to see Lightyear is because they're supposed to be the first same sex kiss in an animated oh, Disney film. Movie. Cool. And, yeah, apparently Disney was going to take it out, and then a lot of people were like, what are you doing? So they're like, oh, it's back in. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's okay. So. It's weird, because part of me is like, why are you doing this? But there was a kid's cartoon from when I was young that they showed on, like, ABC in the mornings that was Buzz Lightyear of Star Command that was the same idea with a completely different storyline. Mm. But it was also like, let's see the buzz that the toy is based off of. Um, so I don't know why it bothered me at first, but... See, I totally forgot that that existed. Well, it's very forgettable if we're being 100% yeah. honest with you. I don't know uh, if I knew it existed, so... I mean, I it's kind of like how there was... An, I, I think it was on, like, at 7 in the morning, and I was usually on, up by, like, 7.30 for whatever uh, cartoon that came on that I cared about. Right. You know? Um, so if you woke up early, you'd catch it? Yeah, I'd catch, like, the last couple minutes and be like, I don't know what's happening here. I get that. Um, I get that. But Beast Wars is on soon. Um, <laughs> I'm more interested than I was before, but admittedly some of that is I just like David Bowie, and David Bowie was playing in the background. So That's I true. just... That wins me over pretty easily. And, and there was a cute robot cat. I mean... The cute robot cat probably sold me on more than anything else. Yeah. The Bowie song and the cat. Yeah. Not like the other trailer we watched, Sonic 2. I didn't you care. You were weirdly excited Dude, about this one. This it partially ties into what I've been watching this week, I'll admit. Okay. Like, when we get to the what you've been ingesting, it'll make a little bit more sense. But <laughs> Idris Elba as Knuckles. Knuckles was my favorite part of the, the Sonic franchise to begin with. He was always my favorite character to play with. And if there is one truth of the General Nerdery podcast, it is that you are in love if with Idris Elba. If you make Idris fucking <laughs> Knuckles, I am there. I'm gonna re- I'm gonna watch the first one just so that I can go into this one with knowledge. Like, I mean, it it was where you said that, and I was like, yeah, okay. 
I'm less excited about you but than you are, but, like, Idris, I like, and Knuckles, I fucking loved as a kid, so... Mm-hmm. That being said, I'm probably still not going to see it in the theaters. Oh, like, God I'm just excited God that it's God. happening. <laughs> the, the thing that caught me on this is, as I talked about, I watched Batman Forever this year, and I actually really enjoyed Jim Carrey's The Riddler, and I mm. went, I'm getting some Jim Carrey Riddler vibes again. Like, that might sell me on this. Jim Carrey plays a decent supervillain in, like, the super camp way. Mm-hmm. I like his... the first half of his performance as the Riddler, and then he just turns into 90s Jim Carrey for the rest of the movie. Okay, I, yes. I agree the with that. The moment yeah. he loses the uh, suit and, and goes, goes into, like, the super cat suit, and mm -hmm. then, like, especially the sparkly cat suit scene, we're done. I'm yeah. sorry. But before that, like, there's a little bit of Frank Gorshin mixed in there, but it's still Jim Carrey, but... Who was... Oh, God, I can't think of his name. The other guy that played him, I just realized... Um, um, John Aston. Yes! Fucking... Gomez Adams was the Riddler. Yeah. And that's my favorite new fact of, <laughs> for like one episode of Batman 66. Huh. Yeah, because uh, Gorshin wanted to get paid more money. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. <laughs> that show, man. I'm pretty sure that's the, that's the thing. I was listening to, during the pandemic, when one of the podcasts I'd normally listen to couldn't, they always record live mm -hmm. and they couldn't. Like, because the club that they were recorded at was shut down. Yeah, no, they, they switched the format of the entire show to being a commentary about Batman 66 <laughs> until the club opened back up. God, you know, actually what my intro was going to be today, before you got excited about shoes... Uh, they fit perfectly. They fit perfectly. It is a good bit. Was I was listening to another podcast talking about, like, they were trying to not talk about covid Mm. because they were, you know, well, when it first kicked in, we had that same thing. We weren't sure how much we wanted to bring it up, like how much it would kind of permanently age us in this era. Right. And then as I've been listening through, I hear them just increasingly be like, fuck, we don't care anymore. We yeah. just need to let this out. I'm like, damn, son. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think we've not mentioned COVID once in like two years now. Well, it, we talk about entertainment and keeps affecting shit. Oh, so. yeah. It exists. I mean, <laughs> not much to do. About no, it. like it's, it's a thing. Either that, or we miss a recording because one of us gets COVID. Like, <laughs> has happened more than once at this point. <sighs> Should we go ingesting? Yeah, get past the news. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I have a little bit more than normal because I took off this entire week from work. Go ahead. So, although not as much as you would expect, I did finish the latest Assassin's Creed DLC. The ending was underwhelming, but I still think it's my second favorite of the DLCs, with France being very firmly in last place. It introduced a lot of cool shit that I just wish they would have introduced sooner so that I could use it more in the game, rather than, like, finally getting my Eivor set up exactly the way I want and having no content to use her on. See, I didn't understand that, but I do understand the concept of, man, this DLC would have been so cool if it was part of the original game. Because, like, Pokemon Sword and Shield had that. I was like, this yeah. island's amazing. And I show up, and I'm like, oh, I am so overpowered for all of this. <laughs> oh, I'm insanely overpowered right now, too. I kicked up the difficulty almost all the way for, for the DLC, and, like, I still was barely getting touched. Mm -hmm. there's, there's not real levels in the game. There's, like, you have your skill tree, and every time you put a point in your skill tree, it adds to your power level. Yeah. Every time you gain a level, you get two skill points. Until you max out your skill tree, then you get one mastery point. So it's not so much like, I'm a level 12 assassin, but like, I'm real goddamn good at stabbing people. Yeah, so I did the math. I have, uh, I'm power level 535. 
having maxed out the entire skill tree, and then I have 114 mastery points past that. So you are, well, this is what you get for being a 100 percenter, to be honest. Which I'm, I'm probably not going to do now, just because there's nothing, there's no challenge to the game anymore. I don't know, maybe still, because it's also, I'm close enough to 100% that if I put in an afternoon, I could probably just finish it I was going to say, you say that, but I've known you for a while now, my guy. <sighs> it's going to take a minute, though, because <laughs> I did just download Elden Ring. Well, say goodbye to what free time you had. Yep. Uh, I've only put two hours into that so far, though, so I can't really say too much about that. I did go see The Batman, which I am going to hold off saying too much on because we do have an upcoming episode planned. About a month. In about a month to because talk I'm more about it. Because I'm not going to the theaters. <laughs> um, the one thing I will say, just because it was my first thought, and after having seen it, I went home and I'm like, cool, now I can read some of these reviews that I've been holding off on because mm -hmm. I wanted to see it first. And I, every single one of them included some variation of my thought about it. And it's that if Chris Nolan tried to make a real Batman, this one tries to just take the Batman comics and make them real. I can kind of see what you're saying with that one. Uh, you know, just, did you like it? Yeah, yeah, loved it. Cool. Um, well, mm, mostly. Yeah, mostly loved it. I'm more excited to see where it goes next. That's fair. The one thing I will say, and it's we'll get stupid into this. long. The two things <laughs> I will say, I am not long. interested in like a three-hour movie, just by nature. And the two, I will not, I will die on this hill, fuck the Riddler costume. I think, without getting too much into it, I think you're going to enjoy the three hours more than you think you're going to, because the way it plays out is like they just adapted a five-issue miniseries. Fair enough. All of it. Fair That's enough. the problem. <laughs> they don't. They didn't keep it in like a cinematic format. Oh. They just adapted a five issue miniseries. It's like when people tell me that we you can only watch the extended edition of Lord of the Rings. I'm like, man, I have shit to do. I'm sorry, I interrupted um, you there. Please I, I was just gonna say that Zoe Kravitz is incredible. Yes, as, yes, just completely phenomenal. D best so. Catwoman. Yes, best Catwoman. Hands down. I could just yeah. That I could doesn't. Well, three hours of her is totally me. fine. Yeah. Um, and she's the part I'm most excited about. Yeah, Pattinson's all right. Yeah, he's, he's fine. He, he was gonna be. Yeah, he's he's Batman. But yeah, it's fine. Yeah. yeah, nothing bad about his version of Batman. Just didn't blow my skirt up either. Yeah. yeah. Other than the way he moved, like he's fucking straight up Batman, just walking around mm -hmm. that place. Uh, okay. Um, watched all of um our flag means death. Did not. Uh, ooh, I mean. I know that you haven't finished it yet. You already I mentioned been you've been spoiled, spoiled on, on it. it. You've never even heard of this. Do you mm -hmm. care if we spoil you no, on like, the final? Look, my, I'm, I don't want to go too much into details because I'm sure this is a show that we can eventually just make an entire episode well, out I of very easily. I was going to suggest it. But I did not know we were getting the uh, queer romantic comedy pirate show. Yeah. Starring Reese Darby and Taika Waititi. Okay, see, now I'm interested. Yeah, see? I was... <laughs> Now I said that. Uh, like, wait a minute. You want to not be spoiled on the end? Skip forward like a minute in the podcast. Sorry, guys. Uh, yeah, the final scene has Taika Waititi and Reese Darby kissing in a romance. Oh no, that's scene. not the last scene. Not the last scene, but in the last episode. Ooh, no, I think that happens the episode before. Towards the goddamn end <laughs> of this thing, <laughs> um, and I like I'm real into it. I do continue to think it's and this I'm gonna say one all about the queer romance, especially with pirates, because it was much more yeah. common than we thought. And two, 
Taika Waititi's Blackbeard is 100% of the reason I wanted to watch this show. He's so good. I'm, I'm, the show kicks up like five notches as soon as he's in every and episode. And I'm down. I don't want to insult Reese Darby. He does a great job with it. But like, Taika mm-hmm. as Blackbeard. But I think it's so weird to, I'm going to say romanticize Blackbeard, but I don't mean like have him kiss a dude. I mean like. Yeah, yeah, make him. Yeah, um, make him a protagonist. Blackbeard, even though he's not as bad as the legends say, he was a piece of shit. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. And, like, some of the real stuff that he did, I'm not going into because I don't want to put trigger warnings on this podcast. So, like... It's also heavily implied that him and Calico Jack had a thing in one of the episodes. Good. Good for them. Calico Jack Rackham is also a piece of shit. I mean, pirates weren't good people. Yes, I know, but for pirates, (laughs) Calico Jack Rackham was a piece of shit. Like... Like, by pirate standards? And he was also a bad pirate. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> like, the only reason we remember him is because Anne Bonnie and Mary Reed, the two women pirates that we know, that we know for of, sure yeah. were women pirates, arguably trans, but there's just too much going on to actually be able to make that claim one way or the other. Right. So, like, I guess your headcanon is real is where I'm going to go with that one. Right. Um, but, like, he is famous because he brought his girlfriend on board and then found out later that one of his crewmates was also a woman after his girlfriend tried to seduce her, not knowing she was a woman. And she'd be like, so we're going to have a talk here. Like, um... Um, no, it, it just keeps getting better as it went on. Was mostly just surprising. During the penultimate episode, my girlfriend turns to me and she's like, I did not think that this was the show that we were getting. Like, she's like, I'm happy about it. Like, it's making me laugh. It's great. She's like, I had no idea that this is where it was going. I've seen the first two episodes. I'm watching more when I get home after recording today. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just been a matter of finding time. The first episode was good, but not great. The second episode was better but still had some slight imperialism problems, even while calling out imperialism. But that's just a thing that happens. Like, it's hard to use, especially in a comedy, oh, look, the natives of this place, and we're going to deal with the fact that, like, you know, white people fucked over the natives of the Caribbean. Mm -hmm. But it's hard to do that while not, you know, having a little bit of colonialism in your storytelling. It's not overwhelming. It was just enough that I, like, noticed it a little bit. I think... (laughs) I understand where you're coming from. The problem is, though, is if you completely get rid of it, then you might as well just not make a historically based show. I am not saying... Yeah, no, I agree with it because it it is a thing. I'm not... I don't have an answer for it. I just had a moment of, like, huh. It's the weird thing of where, like, it's fine... (laughs) This is a weird comparison. It's fine if Batman is black. Bruce Wayne shouldn't be black. Because Bruce Wayne is old money, eastern seaboard, Gotham. And that way you have to change a lot of history about how his family came up. You finally made an... I was about to fight you real hard, and then you went to the argument and went, okay, okay, I'll give you this. At 100%, Batman can be black. Bruce Wayne, the character, the Waynes, are old money, eastern seaboard. Which is the difference of, like, Peter Parker could be black, no problem, who cares? Not who cares, but, like, you know... Because he's just a kid from New York. He's a poor kid from Queens. Like, there's not real deep... um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. But the other thing that made me think of it was along the lines of, like, I really like Raiders of the Lost Ark, but damn, there's a lot of imperialism in that movie. (laughs) Like, and I don't have an answer to that. There's also the the Eternal Raiders problem where Indy is 
unnecessary. And the movie actually wraps up shorter and in almost the exact same way. If he stops helping? Or if he just never was involved <laughs> to begin with. I just... Anytime he's like, this belongs in a museum. Like, there is an active culture that you are robbing, Indy. <laughs> God, we are getting way off track today. Yeah, actually, I, I just wanted to, <laughs> with the Our Flag Means Death thing, I actually just wanted, uh, Taika put out a thing on his Insta that I just wanted to, to read when the, when the last episode dropped. Because uh, I thought, I was like, I saw that that morning before I watched the episode, and I'm like, I wonder what he's getting at. Because the, the release schedule was the last two episodes at mm-hmm. once. They did 3-3-2-2. Three, three, two, two. Which was weird, but kind of cool. This is a show that was made about minorities to minorities, about people who didn't fit in to those who still don't about those who feel like outcasts to those who still their lives feeling like that. The creators aren't scared of not fitting the mainstream. They don't try to sell this as something that it isn't or paint pictures that end up not existing. No dirty tricks or lies or holding back truths just to get more views. The show feels like something that was made actually out of pure want and a need to tell the story that hadn't yet been told. I'm not afraid to say this show is something new, refreshing, and will change the way we view media. The show feels like a so-needed step forward. All around me, I see people that are being are used to being ignored, not being seen, not being acknowledged, as existing as part of this world, celebrate and feel so heartwillingly overjoyed because of this show, its story, and characters. By me and my friends that are part of the LGBTQ plus community, my friends of color, and even my neurodivergent friends who feel represented, thank you. Thank you for making this show, for making us feel like we belong. This isn't only a love story between characters, this is a love story about all people. This is a love letter to those who are often forgotten. You might not be able to change the whole world, but you have permanently changed ours. Damn. Is Taika, he's, what, bi, pan, something along those I don't know. lines? Because I'm pretty sure he dated Tessa Thompson, but I'm pretty sure they also got in trouble because they got caught in a jacuzzi with uh, another. I say get in trouble. I am not, you know, you guys have fun. Get your freak on. But I remember some people being like, ho, ho, ho. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Like, just let them. They're making fun movies. Let them have their fun. It's really not important for anything. I just suddenly wasn't aware of, uh, nor is it my business where he falls. But like. Good for him. No idea. Cool. I haven't seen it publicly commented on. Do but. not actually care beyond curious, you know. Um, but holy cow, that show is, once again, not what I was expecting from the trailers and from the setup, but was so good. Oh, and it's so heartwarming. And it is really, really weird making Blackbeard into a good guy, but he's still kind of a piece of shit in the show. Well, so. yeah, I mean, so is Steve Bonnie. Um, yeah. <laughs> Bonnet. Leslie Jones is in the next episode, and I'm very looking forward to it. Oh, yeah. She's Spanish Jackie. <laughs> She'll pop up a little bit. That's fine. That's great. Um, let's see. What did... Wait, I still got... God I took damn, an entire son. week off. Well, <laughs> the only other one I really want to bring up is... Because uh, I just went through all the episodes two nights ago. If you watch Murderville or heard about Murderville... I've heard the no. name, and that's as far yeah, as that's, I know. that's it. Is this... It's is not... Netflix? Yeah, it's Netflix... It's weird that I'm getting so excited about this because I wasn't sitting there just like laughing out loud the entire time, but it's such an amazingly well done show. It's the concept is Will Arnett. I did hear about this. Is a homicide detective that every episode gets paired with a new partner, and the partner is a celebrity guest, and everyone has a script except for the guest who has to improv their part. That, that's kind of entertaining, yeah. Okay. Will Arnett is, like, he's not my favorite actor, but he's a really interesting creator to me. 
because he does stuff like this mm -hmm. or uh, he did like a Lego building challenge as a host for a while. Like he's just, and he's Calico Jack. Oh, that's so good because we've seen him play Joe. We know he can play a piece of shit. Like, oh, yeah. um, um, and it was kind of weirdly amazing to watch. I kind of wanted to check it out and it's just, you know, who's got time. Oh, and also like binge the first three seasons of Luther, which is how it ties into Sonic because Idris Elba. Ah, okay. I completely forgot you were going to tie that in there. <laughs> yeah, m uh, me and Marge watched it till it got bad, which was for us middle of season three. Although I've heard some other fans say, oh no, three is still good. Four is where it goes downhill. I'm like, how? It's that bad, huh? Oh, this show starts off so, so good. Just like gruff, rough edged Sherlock. And then, played by Idris Elba. Yeah, played by Idris. All right. And then by season three, characters are making some wild fucking decisions out of nowhere. Oh, is it and kind of a they have to hold the stupid ball situation? Oh, super stupid ball. Like, they have his partner just, like, turn on him under, like, no evidence. Like, somebody's trying to, like, internal investigations is going after him, and they're trying to turn his partner against him, and it's, like, a ten-minute scene of, like, Cool, you see how we have the, the crazy murder strings up on the wall with pictures? It's like, look who's at the heart of it. It's like, yeah, I fucking know, but I also know how this guy died. I know how this guy died. Like, I know too much for me to fall for the murder strings. Okay, mm -hmm. yeah. And then it, that, it only gets worse from there. So. Okay. Anyway, now I'm done. Okay. So. <laughs> uh, mine is much shorter. Um, there's always a bunch of stuff until the moment I sit down and I'm like, oh, God damn it. I've only been doing this show for two years. Uh, let's see. We, uh, I've been reading a bunch of Conan the Barbarian comics from Dark Horse. Just picked up a couple books of the section that I do not have yet. Mm -hmm. You know, like, oh, I read this part and this part, but all the stuff in between. Um, because Marvel has been putting them out in nice big books, and I'm a sucker for nice big comic collections. Uh, and then I finally started Star Trek, restarted Star Trek Discovery because... Brave New Worlds is coming out soon, and I want to watch it with my roommate Grizz, because Cece and I have both seen first two mm -hmm. seasons and part of season three. Mm -hmm. But you need to have watched... I don't know if you need to have watched through season two of Discovery to watch Brave New Worlds. It's the new Captain Pike show. But he's a main character in season two, so we're gonna. Also, it's just good TV, so like, fuck it, here's our excuse. The only problem is, for whatever reason, the version that I am watching of Star Trek Discovery, in Discovery, all the Klingon scenes are all spoken in Klingon. With subtitles. Oh. Wow. Uh, which was a great idea with mixed results, because between the heavy prosthetics and the fact that Klingon is literally nobody's natural language, they have trouble emoting, so the scenes take about six hours. I'm exaggerating, but not by as much as you'd think. Like, you're like, God, you're a good actor, but I just see you just <laughs> struggling here. But for whatever reason, the work version I'm watching doesn't have the subtitles. Oh. So wow. anytime the Klingons are talking, they're just going. And I'm having to, like, dig through to this episode that I watched, like, two years ago and try and remember what's happening. But that does mean that Grizz is getting fun translations from me of, like, something, 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 murder, something. <laughs> they do not like the Federation, something. 
Uh, that was just a weird metaphor because they don't have a word for table. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, they died, so this body is now a husk. Treat it as such and give it a moment. Time for the Klingon death howl. And then it happens and he looks at me and I'm like, I've seen this before. Also, I watch a lot of Star Trek in my time. <laughs> um, it is still fun. I mean, that show is legitimately extremely good. I used to go with a gal that knew Klingon, but I didn't find that out till like that was all kind of at its end. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, damn, that was so much more interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can't speak Klingon. I can barely speak English. You guys have heard me talk, but uh... no, I do know how to say a couple of things. Senwul is the word for thumbs. Because my nickname is Thumbs, and I was really high one day, so I Google translated it. That's awesome. Um, Wait, there's a Google translator. I think it might be Bing Translate, which I didn't know existed until okay. again. I was really high one day, and they were like, "Look what we have!" I'm like, "Well, that's a good way to kill a day." Um, I do know that Klingon grammar sentence structure is the same as Yoda. Like the Yoda okay. speak, that's. Oh. I want to say it's Michael Okuda that did it because he did a bunch of stuff for Star Trek, and he is legitimately super interesting as a human being. Mm. But I think it's supposed to be a little easier than Dothraki is. I don't, I believe it. <laughs> I believe it. Also, Star Trek's got more saying power than Game of Thrones. Fight me. Um, <laughs> God damn it, season. Anyway. <laughs> and seventh season from what I heard. But yeah, though not as bad. <laughs> I mean, really from fifth season on, but. Joffrey died and I was like, I'm too happy about a kid dying. I, I don't. I guess. I know he was a monster, but Jesus. That's funny. Heidi, what about you? Anything fun? Um, I did just finish the third season of Miracle Workers. Ooh, it's seen. so oh, good. Oh my god. I think Daniel Radcliffe in his like burlesque on the piano was probably oh. one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. Have you seen the previous two seasons? Yes, or you, okay. I've seen all of them. It might be the best like laugh out loud reveal moment across the entire oh it's it's series. amazing i was dying yeah we did a whole three part around miracle workers one for each season just nice. cuz i just it's it, i mean the show is just amazing i need them to announce what the fourth season I know. will be they, they announced that we're getting a fourth season mm-hmm. if i remember That's right good. but yes, like they did. we don't know what the theme is I can wait on it just because I know that we're getting that uh, Radcliffe starring Weird Al bi- biopic in the meantime. So Wait, what? Yeah, Radcliffe okay. is being Weird Al. All right. Also, cool. he just came out with that uh, him, Channing Tatum, and... Uh, uh, oh, shit. That's not Angelina right. Jolie. Uh, the woman from Speed. Uh, Miss Congeniality. I can think that of everything but her name. That trailer looked good. It did. Why can't I think of her name? Um, I'm going to have to fucking Google this. I apologize. Um, Sandra Bullock. Thank you. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Which apparently Sandra Bullock has kind of picked up a career of I'm a middle-aged woman and I'm making movies about young hot guys falling in love with me. So like. Hey, more power to her. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> Understand where I was going with this sentence. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if Pierce Brosnan can still make fucking movies like that, then like. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yeah, no, that trailer actually looked a lot better than I thought it was fun. going to. I don't even like Channing Tatum, and I was like, I might watch this. There's I actually a not... number of movies coming out pretty soon that I'm like, this looks good. I don't think I will pay to watch it, but when it comes out on like HBO Max, because I think that's where it's going mm. eventually, I'll kill an afternoon watching it. The new Nick Cage trailer? Have you seen What is that, it? the unbearable weight of massive talent, talent? or something? Yeah. I haven't seen it. I hear people are excited. Oh, it looks fantastic. 
And he's playing Dracula and Renfield, I want to yep. say, or something. And, like, I've seen pictures. And I'm like, okay, you're doing interesting And he's basing his again. version of Dracula off of his father, August Coppola, who was a composer, um, a movie music composer. Oh, interesting. I did read an interesting article recently because he... I mean, he kind of became the, like, B-movie straight-to-DVD king for a oh, while. Did you read that GQ article that just came I out? I read some of it. Okay. And he's like, well, I was in massive debt, and I was trying to keep my mother out of a mental hospital, so um, yeah, he was I spending, did who paid me. Yeah, he was, like, millions of dollars in debt, was paying $20,000 a month trying to keep his mom out of a mental institution. Well, which I'm not fully sure what that means, like, just, like, paying Maybe people to look care? after her? Yeah, or I don't yeah. And... Yeah, I was doing four movies a year for ten years. Almost all like straight. Almost to... all straight to video, but honestly, some of the best work of his career in some of them. Mm-hmm. Mandy's a fucking masterpiece. He, he he did talk about how he was like, I only I always put my all into it, and I only did movies that I found like some kind of connection to, even if sometimes part of that connection was I have to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. That dude has gone bankrupt like six times. <laughs> He's also... Well, no, he's never officially went bankrupt. Oh, he has been real near bankruptcy like six times. That was the whole thing of him doing all those movies to pay Mm -hmm. off the debts because he refused to declare bankruptcy. He also holds a real grudge against Disney because they did not want to do National Treasure 3. Um, But I rewatched National Treasure 2, I don't know, a couple years ago, and his character is a just fucking pig throughout that entire goddamn movie, so whatever. Well... He's mostly mad at Disney because they didn't want to do National Treasure 3 right when he needed money, even though before that they had been talking him up about National Treasure 3 until one of his movies dropped and they weren't chasing the heat anymore. Oh, yeah, he did a couple of bad movies because he did what? It was like Season of the Witch or something of the Witch. And uh, and, uh, Drive Angry was the one that really sunk his chances. Well, and Ghost Rider 2 Mm because for some reason they felt the need to do a second it's coming up in Word Balloons, our other podcast soon, so um, uh, <laughs> we'll save that for them. Anyway, that that's a weird tangent to go off on, but I actually read that article just yesterday myself, so... <laughs> Sorry, did you have anything else I that want, you just wanted to talk about? I one more. Okay, um, I rewatched Death to Smoochie for its 20-year... I haven't 20 watched year, that in years. For its 20-year anniversary. I was um, going to say, I don't think I've seen that since it dropped on video. College and, uh, for me. You know, I got to say, that is still one of the best films of all time i mean edward norton and robin williams are like and danny devito like just like the people in that movie are just like amazing and probably the best in sequence oh yeah they're them like dancing together yes and that song take me higher and yeah no it's yeah that movie is incredible oh god it's so good it's not important to the movie but my my roommate in college was watching it with us, and it was one of those, like, didn't want to admit that he was watching it, kind of, like, standing in the back of the room, but he fell asleep standing up and didn't realize it, so he skipped, like, the last third of the movie until the dancing scene, and he suddenly was like, and he was, like, snoring standing up, kind of, and he's like, that's the weirdest ending to a movie ever. They didn't resolve anything. What happened? And we had to be like, do know you've been asleep for an hour, right? Like, like this is not... No? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's the main thing I remember. I remember being like, this movie's incredible, and my buddy's asleep. Like, two things I can tell you about that movie. That's more than I remember. I remember renting it because of the slipcover. 
That's fair. I don't even That's what I remember. <laughs> I highly recommend rewatching it. It's, I definitely it's, it's remember amazing. Robin it's held Williams up yelling, well. Death to Smoochie! <laughs> but, oh, I haven't watched much Robin Williams since he died, to be honest with you. Mm. Hook a couple of times. Yeah. Okay. So, I think it's time for us to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will talk about a significantly less good movie, but I had so much fun watching it. Oh, yeah. I've watched it three times this weekend. Doctor Who the... Jesus Christ, man. (laughs) (laughs) Doctor Who the TV movie. (laughs) Okay, so my what I've been watching this week also ties into this because the first two seasons of Luther, Paul McGann's a recurring character. Oh, hell yeah. That actually is a good sell for... (laughs) He's in the good seasons, so... We will definitely be putting in probably a lot of this conversation of how good Paul McGann is as a doctor... Even in everything that... Well, because in a lot of weird ways, he is kind of like the doctor? Because there's so much of him being the doctor? So, just before... I know you've seen this before. You have seen this before? I have seen before, this yes? before. Okay, so we're all going in having having experience with it. Uh, well, we... So, right before we started this, we rewatched Night of the Doctor. Yes. Yes. Which was the little thing that they did before... The The big 50th. mm -hmm. Little 10-minute clip of it's the only other TV appearance he ever had. Right. So it was after they dropped that that I watched this. Oh, okay. That's... How was that, watching that, having not seen this wild-ass movie? Like, I don't know. Was that interesting at all? Or was it like... No, it was just... I mean, I guess I... Like, I I had always known he was the doctor. Mm -hmm. I was more just excited to finally see him because I hadn't seen the movie. Like, I guess I'd seen pictures of him, but, like, he showed up, and I'm like, dude, Paul McGann, you're looking badass. <laughs> yeah, his costume is so much better in that than the Halloween <laughs> Wild Bill Hickok. But, I mean, honestly, by the end of that, I was more excited about, like, holy shit, young-looking John Hurt. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get you there. Uh, that does have one of my all-time favorite Doctor Who quotes, where it's the bit where he's got, like, four minutes to live and he's like what'll I do that's so much time mm-hmm. what if I need a TV or a book bring me knitting <laughs> you <laughs> fucking asshole <laughs> like so I, I, I figure I'll go through a quick history of the show just because some of the behind the scenes stuff is kind of fun and then we'll talk about the the show itself uh, the original show got cancelled in what 1986 1987 somewhere around there yeah. late late 80s And really, from the moment that it ended, people were trying to find a way to bring the show back, because this is, I mean, this is Doctor Who. I think they first pitched a revived series in 1989 to the BBC, who rejected it. Well, and they, I mean, they had had plans for the next season already. Mm -hmm. They made attempts to make a cartoon, which if you ever find them, they did, the character designs for that have been released, and like... I'm glad they didn't do it, but it did look really interesting. Like, you know, I don't trust late 80s limited budget cartoon to do Doctor Who in a way that I think would be fun. That's but fair. some of the, but there is a like interesting whimsy to the design. And then the way they finally managed this was let's get the Americans. Yes. Uh, I I found a pretty good little like short write up of yeah, how it ahead. all happened. I'm going to admit I'm stealing this. I was going to try to condense this myself after I read the entire history. Look, that's a Nicolas Cage thing. I and then I article. found where somebody did it way better than I did. So I am kind of just reading from the trivia section on TV tropes right now. But 
Uh, concept for a revived series started in 1989, just after the show was first canceled. The BBC rejected it. Eventually, multiple companies were involved. At first, it was Universal, uh, the BBC, and Amblin Entertainment, which is Steven Spielberg's production company. Because Steven Spielberg was He's actually a giant a, fucking nerd. He's a giant nerd mm-hmm. and was a big fan of, like, apparently he hadn't watched much Doctor Who. But he was a big fan of the way that the series was described to him once. Oh, the idea of the show, if nothing else. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's fair. Which, I mean, that's all he has to be a fan of, trying to produce it. Uh-huh. It's not like Steven Spielberg was ever going to direct it or anything, <laughs> so... They were trying to get it made and wanted to get done quickly. By this time, it's 1994. At the time, there was a script made that is wild, where it would have been the Doctor and his grandfather, Barusa, and they would have went on a journey to find the Doctor's father, who was named Ulysses, and they would have eventually discovered that the Master was his half-brother, which was actually pulled from an old script for the third Doctor that was rejected. Which actually would have wow. explained a lot, because the third Doctor, I mean, partly just because John Pertwee and who is that, Anthony Ainley? Yes. The, the first Master were just, like, super close. I'm, I'm doing the crossed fingers, the show close, mm-hmm. but audio medium. Um, uh, parts of that script are actually what you can hear McGann read on his audition. Oh, I've never seen that. And so that we know some of the details just because of that, but other details have just leaked over the years. I actually found some really good links that I just did not have a time to read some of the stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the rest of the script was basically a ripoff of Indiana Jones. All right. Uh, uh, which Spielberg hated, so he left the project. <laughs> um, He's like, I've already done this before. During that portion, the producers were still trying to get it made, but were trying to keep it secret from the BBC all at the same time. Weird. Well, and there was also a movie that was almost made during this point. Is that going to come up here? or? Uh, Well, kind of, because this this incorporates parts of the movie script. Okay. Uh, Because what happened was they found a home with the Fox TV movie department. So with that, it was supposed to be a pilot turned movie that's what this was really hoping to be and instead it once they started working with fox it became a pilot turned into a movie that was then turned into a backdoor pilot for a different series yeah if people liked this a tv show would have come out of it but it all depended on the ratings in america Mm -hmm. because this was a rating success in britain they loved it I mean, they didn't well, love it. But they didn't they love it. it. Yeah, I was about to say the opinions were actually pretty much halved, but it was a rating success. Uh, American side, it actually had decent ratings. The problem was the demographics were almost only males watched it. There was almost no female viewership for when this dropped, which is wild to think about with the modern Who fandom, right? But at the time period, 1996, Fox aired it against the Roseanne season finale where Dan Connor had just had a heart attack. Yep. The choice was watch this rebooted version of British TV show or Um, America's Family at the time. Yeah, the biggest show in the world, basically. Yeah. Um, I, I swear I read this once, but I couldn't find it. 
Didn't part of it not air, too, because the football game ran late? Or... I swear I read that, and I can't find it, so I don't know if I just hallucinated. Like, um, I, I do know, like, everything that could go wrong did go wrong with this. Honestly, I'm not sure. I didn't read that okay. necessarily, but I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> um, especially after... I actually know the history of that and why football games override, but it ties to a Raiders game called the Heidi game. Oh. All right. Thematically appropriate. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And there was a lot of, like, that's a shortened version of everything that happened. There's a bunch of wild stuff that happens in between where, like, before Fox picks it up, but, like, they basically had McGann tied in before Fox officially picked it up but when fox officially picked it up they tried to make them switch off of mcgann because they wanted uh like a big name to be the star but they compromised on like we're gonna bring in a big name for the master instead which is how they got eric roberts as the master i love that eric roberts is their big name (laughs) like well it was supposed to be christopher lloyd but he was considered to be too expensive until eric roberts actually ended up being more expensive because he brought along his own makeup department Wow. His makeup, his prosthesis, and his lighting were all done by his own people. I will say he looks fierce when he's wearing the Time Lord gear. Which actually, even though it made the production more expensive, was kind of a good thing because he actually turned out to be allergic to the original prosthesis that the Fox department tried to use on him and ended up with a little bit of a rash. And so part of the lighting on him is to hide the rash. Huh. Huh. That's really interesting. He just, we'll talk about him. He chews the scenery in every scene that he's in. Which he toned down his camp. Oh my god. He thought he was playing it straight across. His first couple scenes he recorded, he was doing it more up in the air, but then he saw Paul McGann's acting, and he's like, oh, well, he's bringing the camp, so I don't need to. So he supposedly turned it down. Dear God. Wow. Or tuned it down, not turned it down. Whatever. (laughs) And uh, due to the rights issues, there's still weird things. Like, um, they can't... The extended Doctor Who universe can't use any of the characters created specifically for this. So that's why Grace Holloway and what is it? uh, Oh, God, I should know his... Uh, Cheng Li. Cheng. So they can't use them. Although they've used the actors in, like, XP versions on mm-hmm. the big finish dramas. And they have appeared in some comic books and mm-hmm. stuff, the characters. Uh um yeah, actually they Grace Holloway was brought up once in I think yeah, in the comics and Universal was like, nope, don't do the ever do that again because we own her. Wow. The to least go al- interesting character to hold rights on, but sure. To go along with that, like it wasn't released in North America until 2011, officially, because of the rights um, issues. And even when they put out the Blu-ray version in 2016, they just took the TV version and upscaled it, rather than having to deal with Universal and getting the original prints to do an actual blu-ray transfer i do know i looked up a dvd and it is ridiculously expensive oh to i buy bet because i'm right sure now. it's been out of print it's like oh, 150 yeah. bucks i'm like nope i would have paid 15 yeah maybe even 50 like who knows you know but yeah but like it was shot on film they should be able to do an actual high def version but it's just but not. it's not worth going through all the red tape to even try to find 
the remaining film. And at this point, they're not sure if the 35 millimeter even still exists after a fire happened in the Universal vaults back in 2008. God, Doctor Who and Lost Film yeah, is they, such a thing. That is a thing. My fun factoids of the thing is other people who were considered in casting include Christopher Eccleston and Peter Capaldi. Oh. Eccleston turned it down because he didn't want to be tied to a name that big that early in his career. I mean, it's not till like 10 years later that he accepts it. Yeah. Uh, and Capaldi just didn't think he was going to get the part. Well, yeah, they were, they were offered to audition, but never did. Mm-hmm. Some of the people that actually auditioned have turned up on Doctor Who. Anthony Head being the big one. Yeah, Anthony uh, Head, well, Anthony Head being the big one for us, but arguably for pop culture as a whole, Liam Cunningham is probably the bigger one, considering he was, like, consistently one of the best parts of Game of Thrones as Sir Davos Seaworth on New Night. Oh, and That's he was the, the captain yeah. on the... Mm-hmm. I, I love that episode. That's a great episode. But you also have, like, Tim McInerney, um, John Sessions, Tony Slattery. They've all shown up in different, like... Yeah, Anthony Head was, I mean, beyond just being Giles or in uh, Ted Lasso or in... He was the, the schoolmaster in School Reunion. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Sessions auditioned, who eventually was the voice of the computer on Mummy on the Orient Express... Yeah, I mentioned Tim McNairn in Innerney. Innerney? He know. was the guy that ran the Ood factory. Exactly. I'm having trouble seeing him, but I have to remind myself that that's, you know, 10 years later. Well, he's... I don't want to be mean to him, but, like, everyone else was, like, real handsome in the 90s. And I don't know what he looked like in 1996. How far... Oh, 96 is how long after the Blackadder goes forth. Because he's Captain Darling. I don't know. And I, I don't know my also, Black, yeah. like I, I've seen Blackadder goes forth. I don't know my timeline well enough there. And that sounds mean. That sounds like I'm calling him ugly. Uh, I just so, think of him as like, you know. Yeah, so that would have been seven years after goes forth. Okay. So, but yeah, Captain Darling or Lord Percy Percy from season two. I'm just thinking of the guy obsessively drinking hair tonic as his hair falls out. Um, I want to say the, the the weird thing about this, and like I, I watched a thing where Sylvester McCoy was like, they shouldn't have brought me into this. They spent the first quarter of this movie with me taking up time. They should have brought me in later on in an episode doing a flashback or something showing and started with the doctor knowing what he's doing and knowing what's going on. But I'm glad they did because they paid me. <laughs> Which sums up my love of British actors. Yeah, McCoy wanted it to be like what happened with um, Davies. Yeah. Uh, with, when Davies took over. With Eccleston. I'm just like, mm-hmm. here I am, let's go. Yeah. And then explain it later. But that's, part of that is he was happy that they paid him for the little bit he was in it, but he wanted them to explain it later so that he could have gotten his own series again. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I love McCoy. He honestly is one of my favorite doctors. Have you? I know you've seen, because you and I have talked about old who. Yeah. Significantly. Very little. um, Hardly any of McCoy. I have seen some old who, though. Admittedly, there's a lot of garbage in his era, because by that point, the BBC had given up. Mm-hmm. Um, really, I was reading a thing. And I feel like it's obvious they had given up, but After you know, Star he Wars did a damn out, good job. They sort of threw in the towel, like mm-hmm. the later Baker scenes, the Davison, the other Baker, the 
uh, Colin Baker, sorry, yeah. uh, the McCoy. <laughs> the other Baker. BBC was just like, no, we can't compete. Science fiction is Star Wars now, and we have this like tiny fucking budget mm-hmm. show that we don't like that much anyways. <laughs> Upper level people don't like. And there's some really brilliant episodes in all of those, but like, you can tell when the BBC stops caring, supporting them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When it becomes a fight. Yeah. So I guess this tracks in. Uh, th- there's apparently a big argument of does this count as new who or old who? I guess, do you have any dogs in that arena? I feel like it's just kind of like the little line. It's kind of its own like, beast is yeah, where I was it's going it's like, it. It's like the line between old who and new. As plus, it feels like the perfect handover from the bit of old who that I have seen. Because like you can see... It doesn't flow like New Who does. No. But you can see what they took from this going forward. The things that worked, the things that didn't. This was really a good blueprint of like, well, we tried, let's... I mean, maybe the big thing being that the uh, interior of the TARDIS in this one has more to do with all of the New Who iterations than any of the old Who iterations. I love this TARDIS. This is one of my favorite TARDISes. Uh, They've got the weird structure things that look... Not kind of like the coral things that Eccleston and Davies, not Davies, uh, Tennant had, but they, you know, similar like shape mm-hmm. to it mm-hmm. and the way that they were like moving around it. They had some kind of cool shots of like, there was a bit where the master and Chang were talking and they have them both looking through a circle in those like support oh, right. structures with the camera in the middle that I thought like it was cheesy, but it was a kind of like interesting shot that they could do with it. Mm-hmm. And I also just like that, like the TARDIS is like, here's the library. Here's this old Victorian kind of. I like that too. I like the library. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think it's just a perfect crop. Like, mm-hmm. here you go. Here's, here's the hand, like handoff, even though it's like nine years after. And then it's like another 10 years until the handoff yep. gets completed. Nine and nine, nine and nine. I yeah. think because it came out in 96 and Rose Oh. Came out in two thousand five. Yep. Uh, which fun fact means Paul McGann was the doc active doctor longer than anyone else because he did audio plays through that entire goddamn time. McCoy didn't do that. McCoy didn't do audio plays until later. Um, well, yeah, I mean, like I was saying earlier, McGann's been the doctor the most. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's still doing audio. He never stopped Mm-mm. doing doctor stories. I was listening to Doctor Who audio stories today. To, like, help keep myself in the right mood for this. He's real good at it. He is really good. He's And it makes me think of what amazing things he could have done as the Doctor with, you know, more time and a better, better writers, better budget, better... Yeah. I was actually... You know what? Considering this was made by, the, like, the TV movie department in 96, uh, a lot of the effects on this are arguably a little bit better than even, like, the first couple episodes in the 2005. I don't agree with you there, but, like, I see what you're saying. And for 96, those goop effects on, like, the gooey snake are actually stupid fantastic. Yeah. For 96. It is fun when, like, McCoy is trying to have that, like, no, he's escaping the TARDIS, and they're clearly just, like, pushing Vaseline through the keyhole. (laughs) (laughs) I do think it was a mistake to use McCoy for the first quarter of the movie. I think well, I, I, I think it's a mistake McCoy. to use him for that long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, yeah, McGann didn't even show up to like 22 minutes in. Yeah. Of a movie that's just over 100 minutes long yeah. total. Like, there is a great photo if you can find it. It, I don't know what it is. I mean, really, it's just the internet is creepy and records everything we do. But I started seeing Doctor Who, the movie stuff, after we picked doing this. Mm-hmm. But there's a great on-set photo of McGann and McCoy practicing the regeneration face that they make. Oh, my God. Because they're doing that, like, uh, I don't know how to, you know, in the audio, like, moving their mouth around really, like, <laughs> ah, rah. But they both have to do it because it's showing them, like, flipping between the two a little bit in the regeneration scene. And it's a picture of those two just, like, standing next to each other going, ah, rah. <laughs> like, That's kind of amazing. It's almost perfect that this didn't go on, though. Because some of the things they had planned would have made people not like it. Well, and like some of this, I mean, one, just the doctor is half human is such a dumb idea. Yeah. Uh, but they were going to do remakes of a bunch of old episodes, which is weird because they didn't reboot it. They put so much time into making this a continuation. But then they were going to reuse plots of already made episodes. Well, they and made Doctor it a continuation. is always yeah. a fuck up, but like that is very confusing. That is very confusing. Well, they were going to make Daleks into more like spider-like things, and then the Cybermen were going to be reintroduced as a race called the Cybes that were cybotic in origin. That sounds like a vibrator. <laughs> it, it, it literally does. Like, it actually does. There was, uh, it was a failed movie, and it wasn't going to be a TV movie. It was going to be a full-scale movie where it was mostly Tom Baker, but they were going to use all of the surviving Doctor Who actors, which at that point was everyone but Hartnell, who died Mm -hmm. in the 70s. And all the other Doctors were pissed because Tom Baker was going to get, like, 90% of the attention. (laughs) But, like... They had talked to, I don't remember if they actually got H.R. Geiger to redesign the Cybermen for them, or if they just got someone to design a Geiger-ish Cyberman. Oh, God. And it didn't happen, but I was like, Jesus, that's the most interesting. How many penises did it have? Probably a lot. (laughs) But, like, uh, I don't know. Do you know who H.R. Geiger is? He designed, like, Alien from the Alien movies. okay. He does. He did that album cover that is up on my wall right there. Okay. He does weird, dark, gothy. Okay. It's it's art. um it's real good, but it is very penisy a lot. If oh, we're being honest, right. um, it's extremely sexual, biomechanical based okay. stuff. And goth, you have to put goth in there. I don't know if Geiger was goth, but like goths ever since have been <laughs> consciously or unconsciously mimicking Geiger when they can. <laughs> Which, I don't know, I don't see Geiger stuff working for Doctor Who, but also, I think the Cybermen are so uninteresting that give it a shot. <laughs> Not the Cybes, that is bad, the Cybes. but... No, that's the terrible. Cybes. Oh, man. The Daleks, for like the three seconds they appear in this, have the worst voice. It's like... Yeah, the director's you... voice. Oh. Exterminate! Exterminate! It's the director's voice because is... they didn't want to pay, um, <laughs> fucking, what's his name? Tipple, I think, did the voice of the original ones. Um, they didn't want to pay him a shit ton just to use two seconds of Dalek voice. I guess. I mean, that's fair. I, I understand, but like, it but is also weird. Like, I mean, okay, I get how the Daleks are not intimidating in a lot of ways because they literally exist because they needed to come up with 
an enemy for the next episode, and there was a salt shaker on the table. I mean, that's where they came from. But nothing made them less intimidating than kind of sounding like the little bit of Oogie Boogie Man when he's dying at the very end and his voice is getting like higher and higher before he gets stomped. It's like a dialect, like, inhale the helium blue. Oh, that's perfect. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's like they gave him some helium. <laughs> also, just question on this. And I know, again, Doctor Who continuity. Right. Just, right. Like, the new series has kind of tried. But, um... One, why are the Daleks putting the Master on trial? Two... Why are they letting the doctor come pick him up? I know this is pre-Time War, but it's still wildly out of character for every other depiction of the Daleks. So the Indiana Jones part, uh, the Indiana Jones part of the original script mm-hmm. that they ended up cutting and they just now don't explain how that happened, that was the doctor <laughs> retrieving the remains from Scarrow. Dun, 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 dun. I would love which that should have been Sylvester McCoy <laughs> running from a giant boulder like oh with man. the master's remains I mean that would have been kind of cool now the master I I don't know if they've ever I did read about this mm-hmm. and I know what the plan was I don't know if they've ever canonized it in any form but the plan I believe was he was on trial by the Daleks because he made a scheme to take over Gallifrey using his own Daleks that he made, and that pissed the Daleks off. Yeah, I, I'm just curious that they didn't just murder him. Like, I don't... Dalek court is such an interesting idea to me. Like... Right. <laughs> the closest we've ever come is, like, Asylum of the Daleks. Mm-hmm. And even that is just... You're too interesting in your hatred for us to kill you, so we're just going to leave you on this planet. But yeah. like, they don't do no court. the The closest they do is like we've kidnapped Davros again. Go hang out in the basement. Um, but at this point, I mean, honest, still they've never explained how Scarrow came back in the first place because it was destroyed in Old Who at one point. Yeah, in Remembrance of the Daleks, which mm-hmm. is one of Milkoy's best moments. It is a fantastic set of weird episodes. So the fact that Scarrow was even mentioned was already... and continues to be? <laughs> oh yeah, Scarrow comes back more often than Gallifrey does. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I mean, originally the, the Daleks were supposed to be wiped out for good in the second Doctor story, and they filmed it that way, and someone up higher was like, you can't you can. do that. So literally their entire solution was to add in, like, three extra seconds where the, like, shattered remains of the Dalek Emperor, like, as everyone else leaves, a light slowly starts to blink. Mm. And that's all. That's just... See, it's fine. I mean, it's like the Master. The Master has died a permanent death. So many times. And it's never explained. And it drives some members of the Who fandom up a wall. Especially this most recent, like, how did Missy survive? I don't care, man. It's, like, it's just, just how it works. The like, Master survives. Th- that's how I see it. It's just like, no, the Master's going to keep popping up. It's always going to be there. So I know, like, I have been hitting hard on how bad I think this movie is while you're defending I did say, I love it every time I watch this. Part of the reason I'm saying it's bad is because I watched it with my wife and Grizz last night. Night before, whatever, recently. 
And, like, Cece was watching it, and at first, like, mostly playing video games and increasingly, like, looking up with this, like, what the absolute shit, but by the end, not playing video games at all. And Grizz was just getting increasingly angry as the <laughs> show went on. <laughs> to me, it's just kind of a mid-range Doctor Who episode. Fair. You and I also have more affection for weird mid-90s TV than I think a lot of people do. <laughs> oh, yeah. Plus, I, mean, I love me some Eric Roberts. <laughs> I mean, it's terrible, but it's entertaining because it's, it's terrible. Right. It's extremely fun. Like, there's ninjas. Well, triad, but yeah. Yeah. Um, there's... Oh, God, I felt like that was a bad way to kill McCoy, but sure, whatever. Like, Yeah. It's really funny. <laughs> I find it really funny that she's like, I, I gotta like help this guy. And you have the doctor working on him. He's just like, don't... Do this. That bothers me you less than, like... Me. You're the first companion to kill a doctor. That bothers me less than the fact that he straight up just, like, opened the TARDIS door in the middle of a gunfight. Like, most yeah. doctors at least, like, look at the screen for a moment before they step out. Yeah. Like, that you was... You at least check. I think that's the thing that I've heard the most criticism on, that, like, I haven't watched much McCoy, but everyone's like, so the doctor that usually just manipulates everyone around oh, he him. he is, like, the most manipulative planner doctor of all doctors. Just walks out in the middle of a firefight and wears ace? Yeah. Well, they didn't want to pay for Sophie Aldrin as well. Right. Right. Also, if you do follow the, like, extended universe of stuff, Ace has sworn off the doctor about 16 times. <laughs> like, more often than the master has died. Which is fair, because he manipulates I the hell like out of Ace. No, if we do Old Who, I don't know if we'll start with a... I mean, I want to do Old Who sometime just because it's oh, yeah. fun. I don't know if we'll start with a Sylvester McCoy and Ace episode, but there's no way we're not going to do that somewhere. But yeah, there's parts of this that are really dumb. I mean, I'm not going to say that that's not the case, though. <laughs> the, the bit that got Grizz, I think, more than anything else, and it's always a, one small moment, is the ambulance chase scene. Oh, yeah. With the motorcycle? Because, you know, you can't have an American movie without a car chase scene not somewhere. In, not in mid-90s. But what broke him was the fact that the ambulance had a better acceleration than a police motorcycle. Like, ambulances <laughs> get some speed going, too. I actually don't know how fast they are. I do know that thanks to an old N64 Destruction Derby game, where the ambulance, like, once it got going, was the unstoppable kill thing. <laughs> I think I actually remember My, that game. Destruction Derby 64. It's just hardwired into my brain. But my brain's like, yeah, ambulances are fast. but and, and scary. But really what it is, is they're fast. But I mean, something that big, especially in the 90s, that's not quick accelerating faster than a motorcycle. Nah. No. I didn't even think about that. Near to die till he's like, how? How is this happening? I, I do like that that's like the one thing that broke him. There's the, always, the whole movie. anytime in a bad movie, it's always the one moment. Uh, for Cece, it was the weird swap backs between like, anytime they were showing the like countdown to 10, 9, 8 to oh. like the new oh, year. Oh, that, I, I, I that kept thinking of like, crap out of me. man, you can tell this came out before like the late 90s because yes. no mention of Y2K came up. But, uh... Oh, yeah, that's also a good point. The, just, like, the shots of it, I definitely had the thought that if I was on psychedelics, that would have been the most terrifying, like, the the costume party of the hospital oh, the going hospital. on would have been oh, horrifying. Oh, that's so weird. And the guy... 
And I mean, we've ta I've talked a lot lately about how I've been reading an annoying amount of Power Rangers. The the Doctor in the morgue, the entire way he acts, the entire way they shoot scenes with him, he's like the one of the bullies in Power Rangers. Like, he's like <laughs> Bulk of Bulk and Skull from Power Rangers. You're like, talking about Will Sasso of Mad TV fame? One of the reasons I love this movie? Sure. <laughs> I knew I recognized him from somewhere. Oh, you're right, that is... I'm not even saying he's bad. I'm saying like the weird way that they shot him feels so different than the rest of the mm. movie. Because uh, he was the fat comedic relief. There's a very <laughs> mid nineties line of like, uh, what you think he went to a better hospital. <laughs> <laughs> this is just them having fun with the actor. That has nothing to like. Oh, Will Sasso. He was funny. He just felt a little out of place to me. I felt for Chang. Like, I just didn't feel like that actor had much anything to work with. I think Chang is, like, the unsung fucking hero of this movie. Because he provides some of, through his just facial emotions alone, provides mm -hmm. some of the best comic relief I have like seen in Doctor Who. Which I don't think counters what I was just saying. Because I think yeah. the act that's why I mean I felt for him. He's a good actor, but like the number of Asian secondary characters in mid-90s TV movies that like don't get a whole lot to work with and have to just like punch their way through. That was the weird thing. I I did feel like he was a weird addition because I felt like they threw him in to be Kino from TMN in T2. So I'm not alone. <laughs> Whereas the rest of the film was trying as hard as it could be to be X-Files. Yeah, I could see... Was X-Files out by this time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, that was like peak X-Files. This is peak yeah. X-Files. And yeah. this was airing on Fox. Yep. See, I never... I watched X-Files, <laughs> but it's never been a follow-through, so I wasn't 100%. I thought so. But I didn't know if this was like early or late. In the um, middle of it, yeah. Okay. I mean, it, it's probably uh, ramped up some by the actress that plays Grace, Daphne something, I can't remember her last name. Looks a little bit like Julian Anderson, but... They totally did that. It's the hair. Mm hmm Well, yeah. And, yeah. She's a weird character. I kind of like her. I don't dislike her. I just felt like she was all over the map as a character. Oh, yeah, but oh. I also feel like that kind of makes sense. <laughs> the movie was all over the map. Well, yes, that's so. in fairness. And I'm definitely not at, uh, uh, getting after the actress on this. Mm -hmm. But, like, the fucking intro of she's watching opera and she lowers down yes. the thing. And there's the single solitary tear <laughs> that doesn't move the entire... Nope. Like, she gets up and it's still... It's still there. I'm like... Pasted that's some fucking Vaseline. That's some well, fucking, yeah. like, or whatever it is. Yeah, like whatever this. gel they use. That, yeah. Which, look, if the there was the the motorcycle bit bugged Grizz, like, the one thing that bugged me was I'm like, you went to a fucking opera while you're on call? That's fair. <laughs> and then okay. she's like, her her boyfriend, fiance, whatever worst. he was supposed to. And like, oh, he's horrible, yeah. He he's almost awful. looks understanding, like, kind of like, oh, jeez. But then the moment he... She, he gets 10 seconds of screen time, leaves her for doing her job, and then ransacks and steals shit from her place right afterwards. Real yep. fast, too. Real fast. Because, like, a night passes, but, like, we're talking, I, what, 12 to 16 hours from... Yeah. We're 24 at the absolute maximum, and it's not. 
Like, there's no way it was a full 24 hours between when she leaves that to when she quits and goes home. Mm -hmm. And he... What fucking movers? I mean, I know it's San Francisco and I'm from, like, Missoula, whatever. But what fucking movers did he call at, like, 3 a.m. in the morning being like, I need this shit out in two hours? Also, obviously not actually San Francisco by the lack of a single hill in the entire movie. <laughs> yes. Where was it actually uh, filmed? I want to see uh, Vancouver. That's what I thought. Oh, okay. I assume somewhere in Canada. Fox loves yes. Vancouver. Yeah. Because uh, they... Most play, yeah. All, of, all of X-Files was... Uh, they, the, Vancouver really is like we're your low budget filming location because we'll give you major tax breaks if you yep. come record mm-hmm. here, which is why every planet in Stargate looks like the outskirts of Vancouver. Um, <laughs> there is a like she's engaged to this guy, though, like going back to that. He leaves her in the middle of a surgery on like the worst day of her life on some level. Because she's doing her job. Because she's doing her job, she gets back and, like, she's like, he took the stuff, whatever. I guess this is, I mean, I guess she's got other things going on. It's okay. I'm just, I'm going to kiss the doctor on screen for the first time that ever happened. We'll get to that in a sec. But then they're like, (laughs) tell me my future. Oh, God, Brad's going to move. I don't know if his name is Brad, but, like, he's a Brad, Brad. if he's not. Mm -hmm. Uh, Brad's going to move back and, like, you clearly did not want to marry this man. At all. Right? (laughs) There was no interest there. You were, you got over this real fast. Yep. But yeah, the kiss. Brian. Brian, whatever. He's he's a Brad. Um, (laughs) The kiss. The kiss. Exploded the fandom. And we don't think about it. Because I mean, I was what? I was 2005 when Doctor Who came out. So I was 17 when the new series launched. Yeah. You two are a little eight, older I than me, so yeah, I was 18. 18 to 20, yeah. 18, 19, somewhere in there. Um, Depending, I, I don't remember what date it dropped on, so, but and in like, that range. <laughs> I mean, Rose was horny for Tenet, but Rose was horny for Eccleston from, like, 30 seconds into that show. Yep. The Tylers were kind of just horny. True. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say Rose's mom. She yeah. Opened it. God, that was such a good gag for I an intro her. episode <laughs> There's a strange man in my bedroom. Oh, God, she's funny. But, like... Yeah, Jackie Tyler might be one of my favorite Jackie, characters. Jackie, uh, Of the, like, secondary family ones, they never topped her. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I would have I would have taken a Jackie Tyler companion. Oh. I would still take a Jackie Tyler I mean, companion. I would too. Yes. <laughs> but, like, you know, they tried with, like, Martha's family a little bit. I guess Wilfred Mott, but he did become mm. a companion in his own right. But, like, yes. anytime they tried to use family after that, you're comparing her to Jackie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Jackie was such a force of nature that even when I she didn't was like her, she was like great. <laughs> she was yeah, <laughs> kind she of was a amazing. shit mom, but like oh well, yeah, but uh, but also. that's par for the course. That's yeah, fair enough. I mean, she's supposed to be, yeah. But my point on where I was going with this is like romance in the Doctor was baked in from the second it happened, partly just because Eccleston and um, uh, uh, Piper Billy Piper had wonderful chemistry. Old school stuff, they kind of tried to imply there was Hanky Panky in the TARDIS. Did but they? Kind of some of the producers side implied. With who? Uh, mostly uh, Tom, Tom Baker and Romana yeah. too. Oh. And that's because those two got married. And so they were too busy making bedroomized at each other on and off camera. All right. Um, Just as a little aside to that. Uh, Did Eric, Eric Roberts' wife in the movie, his real wife. Oh. Hmm. 
they apparently had some level of kinky because she was real down to call him master <laughs> immediately. <laughs> so good for them. I am in no way sex shaming them. But like, okay, master. And I'm like, I don't think that would fly with my wife. It's like, I am the master. She goes, okay, whatever, dude. <laughs> um, you can go over there and call yourself She's that. like, we both know I'm the boss. And I'd be like, yeah, that's true. But, um... Uh, yeah, they were like, they would occasionally try to be like, sure, there's hanky-panky in the time. But mostly it was like, look at Lilu in her leather bikini. And I did. <laughs> and do. I, I mean. She looks real good in it. Yes, she does. But, um, you know, the doctor was basically an asexual being for most of it. That's, yeah. Like, had a grandkid, so clearly some level of it happened. But I mean. Oh, that's true, Yeah. Also, having family and being asexual is not mutually exclusive. Nope. So even then, it's like, not. the doctor was not a romantic being, really. And also, we don't know how all that works on Gallifrey. It could be, you know, we don't really know. When I was a teenager, Bile. I read some fan fiction that had all sorts of theories. Um, <laughs> yeah, we don't really know how the bio- biology works of uh, Time Lords. So, Look, yeah. man, if you were a teenager between 2000 and 2010... And into genre fiction, you've probably read some fan fiction that had theories about various characters. Um, yeah, probably wrote some too. But the doctor kissing someone, some people were just aghast. You couldn't possibly do that. And everyone else was like, hell yes. I'm still back and forth on it, mostly just because it bothers me less with Grace than it does with Rose as an adult. That's fair. When I was a kid, I say kid, I mean, like, teen, early right. 20s, yeah, at that point. But, like, I was living for that kiss with Rose to finally happen. But looking as an adult, I'm like, she's 19. <laughs> You're 900. I'm 33, and I'm confused by the idea of people who really want to, like, date a 19-year-old. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah. In the same way that from the very beginning, when Buffy was into Angel in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I was like, no, what is wrong with you, no, Angel? David Borney as? I never liked him. I liked that show. Oh, God. I, I liked not. that show, and I liked David Borney as in Bones. I never liked Angel well, Every much. girl in my middle school is obsessed with him, and I'm just like, can you not? <laughs> can you not? Oh, can I you was just Spike. not? Who was the worst, but James Marsters is fun, so. I've been, uh, just when I need something on in the background, I've been just re-putting on the latest three Dresden files on audiobook and just listening to that. And in because I've brought up Eric Roberts so many times, he is who I uh, think of when Gentleman John Marcone pops in. Oh, that'd be great. Well, and he played a crime lord in uh, Batman Begins, mm-hmm. so we know he can do it. That's how I explain, I was trying to explain this movie to, to Stephen, our longtime guest, editor on Word Balloons, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, you know, the crime lord from Batman Begins. He's like, I don't, but okay. Because it's the only, the only other two places I know him is a talking cat, which is, I don't know if you've ever heard of this. It's come up in a couple of places. It is the worst B movie I have ever seen in my life. It is like D movie. There's this dude that mostly makes terrible, terrible, like, bad for straight-to-VHS schlocky horror movies. But he made a schlocky kids movie called A Talking Cat? Wait, that was the name of it. Yes. Okay. With a question mark. So you have to say it as A Talking Cat? (laughs) And it's this really terrible... 
Oh shit! No, I have seen this. Okay. Oh yeah, no, I've never yeah. seen this. A really terrible movie about this family that like comes together after they discover a talking cat, and like ends up making a like website for fashion or something. Like it's very early, but they paid most like a solid half their budget was to get three hours of Eric Roberts' time. For him to come in and voice act all of the talking cat scenes. And like the bits where they're filming the cat, the cat is clearly not paying any attention to what they're trying to get it to do. Because it's a fucking cat. (laughs) And man, it's fun to watch once. It is... I don't want to say it's the worst thing I've ever seen because it's not actually offensive in any, any way that I remember. Okay, it's just... Yeah. Just dumb. It's just bad. <laughs> yeah. It is like, you know, Ed Wood hiring his barber to play someone in Plan 9 from Outer Space. It's Tommy Wiseau's roommates in the room. It's not Tommy Wiseau bad, but like... No. That one, there's still debate about whether he actually intended to or not. Yeah, um, I'm still not sure. He he's claims, wild. but, like, also, I've seen him talk. Oh, but he's also in the Mr. Brightside music video. Let's just move on. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the killers, though. See? See? <laughs> he was also on the latest season of Righteous Gemstones and was really good in it. But Okay. Really? Yeah. really? Okay. Yeah. Um, He's like a backwoods mobster, kind of. It's like a hillbilly mobster. Fucking wild. <laughs> Maybe not quite hillbilly, but on that track. <laughs> is there any moment of this that, like, is, like, weird stood out to you, strange pacing, strange moment? Like, when I realized that the inside of the Eye of Harmony, like, that room has a bunch of, like, dead leaves on the ground I thought was really strange. Oh. Strange moments. Uh, or, like, super out of nowhere, they open up the TARDIS and the motorcycle drives in and then just drives out and leaves. I'm yes. like, that's a cop. Like, yes. You should, like, I know you're having a moment, but, like, it, it was just weird, like, sketch weird. comedy <laughs> moments almost. Like, I think they were trying to be like, how do we appeal to Americans? Uh, weird jokes. Car chase scenes. Car chases. humor. Okay, I guess the only strange thing that jumped out at me was... Maybe not strange. No, it's strange. Fuck it. It still doesn't fit with everything else that goes in the TARDIS. Um, presumably the Master would have had to grab that spreader and crown from inside the TARDIS. Yeah, why does he have torture devices in the TARDIS? Probably for when the Master shows up. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's that time of year. <laughs> Missy's going to show up sooner or later, I know, so... I used to think that I used to think that the goose snake was really weird, but I just sort of come to accept it. Well, and uh, pretty much from Fifth Doctor on, there was weird like the Master stole someone's body. Mm-hmm. I don't remember which actor that was, but straight up just murked one of the companions' dads and stole their body. Oh yeah, and that actor had largely retired. He just wanted to play the Master, so he like. McCoy talked about because he was in the final episode of the original series. He loved two things in life. He loved football and he loved playing the master and he terrified everyone on set. Cause he was just 
a super weird dude that was really intense. And like Sophie Aldred, who played Ace, talked about like she talked football with him one day. So she, he's like, this woman is my buddy. <laughs> okay. You're kind of scary still, but like, and not like dangerous, but just like right. weird, intense dude who would come mm-hmm. out of retirement to play the master. Uh, yeah, that's a little little crazy. <laughs> what do you guys actually like? There's actually like real good parts in this. What do you guys think are good? Or at least I'm going to argue that there's real good parts in it. There's at least one exchange that is like perfect between the doctor and the master. I mean, so. Paul McGann is good. I mean, you know. Yeah. Uh, when Paul McGann is starting to remember his childhood and talking about that, and like that's his I'm becoming the doctor moment that yeah. every actor gets. Um, he never quite got what I wanted of the moment of to do an episode that we've done before in the 11th hour where Matt Smith steps through the like hologram thing and he's suddenly wearing the full costume and he's like, hello, I'm the doctor. And you're like, yeah, you fucking are. And, like every actor's got that moment where they full on. Yeah. You're like, click. I believe this now. He never had that click moment. Mm. He, I believed he was the doctor, but I wanted that one, here's where I now own the part moment. I kind of feel like that moment happened, and it's the line I'm about to bring up, but I don't think the movie did a good job of framing it. It's kind of just, it's there and gone, but if you're paying attention to what they're saying, it's perfect, like, doctor and master, and it's during their final showdown, and the doctor just tells them, like, you want dominion over the living, yet all you do is kill. And the master replies, life is wasted on the living. Which is also a neat callback, because that's actually a, a Hitchhiker's Guide reference in Douglas Adams. Yep. Was showrunner for several... No, show, script editor. Script editor, uh, yeah. And wrote a couple of episodes. Wrote, wrote a few, yeah. yeah. Those moments, there was a really nice kind of subtle exchange of that one, where he manipulates the master into pretty openly being like... I've wasted all of my lives, yada, yada, yada. And Chang being like, hey, wait. <laughs> you lied to me up to like four seconds ago. Um, what up? <laughs> like, I, I just thought it was a good, clever. Anytime the doctor talks people out, like into admitting their plans, that's some classic Doctor Who right there. Like, where do you think, like, if this would have gone on, what would have been episode two? You know, Sibes. no side I think it would have been another I think it either would have been a little bit into the past not way into the past but a little bit into the past or another relatively modern day adventure to pick up their companion Mm, I know mm -hmm. Doctor Who old school Doctor Who was willing to pick up companions from multiple timelines but more often than not I mean, modern who will only pick up, up a companion from the modern day, pretty much. But, right. like, more often than not, who likes to pick someone up from the 20th century? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now 21st. But, yeah. you know, like, within a 50-year period. Uh, so it's not so wildly out of stuff. And I think he would have done that. There's no way they wouldn't have done a... I think there would have been a Wild West episode within the first season. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. Especially the way he's dressed. Um, so that's what I was thinking. It just goes back to the Indiana Jones. We've seen Doctor Who in World War II multiple times, and the Brits have such an interesting view of World War II to me 
because some parts of it are so much like America's so proud of World War II, but for Britain, parts of it are so much more personal because mm-hmm. they were bombed. We were bombed once on like literally our farthest border. Yeah. They, you know, London nightly yeah. for years. Yeah. So I think we would have gotten like a World War II thing, but it would have been so different than how we ever see World the War II. The doctor having to put up is. with American GIs? Yes. And just being like, oh. that, that would have been interesting. I wonder if he would have been more pro-gun. Hmm. It, I guess they get depends if they he, wanted to keep appealing to Americans. Or I don't think he would have been like a gun user, but I think he would have been less anti-gun. Yeah. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. probably true. I mean, Old School Doctor does use a gun every once in a while. Not in a, like, regular way, but, like... In the third? Was it third? Third used Venusian Aikido a lot, which was <laughs> he had one throw and a karate chop. That's right. But, uh... That's right. The karate chop. There's a super wild game, if I remember. It was an early Doctor Who computer game. But it was pretty much Castle Wolfenstein, but you're the doctor. Really? <laughs> but you still have guns. That's really That's really weird. Yeah. <laughs> that's very strange. It's very strange. I'm going to Google this just to make sure that I'm not hallucinating all sorts of... Uh, Capaldi shoots someone with a Galfrayan gun. Oh, that's right. Yes, but he also makes sure that they have other regenerations first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. He liked like, check how many do you have left? Four. Okay, let's do this. Yes. Like, and pretty much gets an okay. Is the video game real? I am looking this up. The part that I okay. While you're looking that up, I do want to say I guess another part that I thought was weird just because they didn't really reinforce the theme. Uh, they didn't really reinforce the the theming later in the movie at all. Was the Paul McGann like regenerated? Is in his stupor, wandering around the fucking weird ass hospital. I don't know why they have a creepy broken mirror and doll room, but that that that, that part of me, I was like, what? What is this? Don't know why that why, wing why of the hospital exists. Yeah, why would that be in a hospital? But then they went real hard on using Jesus imagery with him, and then contrasting it against fucking technically cheetah-eyed, but looking way more reptile-eyed master with the, like, red lighting coming up on his face. and Whereas, like, McGann's sitting there with, like, his long hair and the the white sheet wrapped on his fucking body, and he's all... Yeah. Jesus Christ pose, and... (laughs) I was like, so you did this for one scene, and now... You're not going to just continue making the Doctor Jesus? Like, I don't want the Doctor to be Jesus, but after this, it would make sense. I mean, if they want to make the Doctor Jesus, you know, I feel like there's worse places it could go. <laughs> but I guess I, I was that stood out to me. I was like, oh, super obvious Jesus reference. Yeah. Where does that go? Where does it go? Where did it come from? <laughs> yeah. Who thought that that would be... Hey, let's just throw this in here. Mm-hmm. That'll be cool. Oh, yeah. That fucking hospital wing, though. The hospital's How strange. did I not remember that right off the bat when Zach was asking about weird things earlier? Yeah, the weird thing's just the hospital. Yeah. 
The hospital is fucking wild. It's, very, it's, like, it's like a carnival. And they have their Jesus stuff with the Frankenstein stuff. Yeah, right after, basically. Right, yeah. yeah. Like, okay. Uh, sorry. So I'm, I am mm. Googling. Uh, there is at least one Doctor Who game that's basically like a Mega Man game, okay. but you're playing the Doctor, and you are firing lasers out of your sonic screwdriver. Okay. Oh. Never knew that was a feature of the Sonic. It's only there. <laughs> and I swear, I'm just being a... I swear there's a freaking version oh, wait. where you do have, like, guns, and they're like, that's weird. This movie also establishes that the doctor banged Madame Curie. Pretty much. Yeah. That, that's also that's wild. definitely a thing that they implied. <laughs> that was also one of my favorite exchanges, too. Yeah. She, she kissed better than me? <laughs> uh, it does... And then the of, master kicking in. <laughs> I do love some of the, the track-ins of... This came up a lot in The 11th Doctor... Of the doctor being like, I'm part of that. Like, anytime something comes up, but it's always something really small. Like, mm -hmm. uh, uh, I played the triangle in this really famous, like, concert performance. Or, like, I oh, that's the thing. Because I thought about this when the doctor was on a motorcycle. Uh, the doctor on his motorcycle with Matt Smith talks about being in the Antigrav Olympics and coming in last. Matt wow. Smith's doctor was in everything. But he wasn't very good at a lot of the stuff he did. He was just... He was just there. There, yeah. So, it turns out looking up alternate versions of the Doctor is a very much bigger thing than I was ex like thinking it was going to be. So, I don't know. I apologize. I'm talking about stuff that I read in college. Being like, this is true! Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> it's okay. Not with Doctor Who, but I have things like that. I'm like, this is definitely true. Ish. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I do know, uh, what's his name? The, the actress who played Wilfred Mott. Okay. Uh, he was considered for the fourth Doctor. Oh, no oh. shit. Uh, he actually interviewed for it. He never got very far, but like, right. they talked to him That's about interesting. it. And he was a marine i think in world war ii he was a, a soldier mm -hmm. like that bit that he talks about how he never killed anyone that is a real thing from world war ii that he did in life and talked about oh wow that he was very proud that he served but he was also like very proud that he never had to kill anybody wow so they worked that in but uh he's like yeah i was a marine so i can like fight and do action scenes and punch and they were like no the doctor never Never gets into a fight, and he's like, okay, well, I guess I messed that interview up. And then he's watching later on, and Tom Baker punches someone, and he's like, hey! <laughs> like, you jerks, I can punch. I could have done that. I give up. I can't find it. I am. This is what I get for not doing my full research before I talk. Um, David Tennant uses a squirt gun several times. That's true. <laughs> yeah. You never answer. What what is the scene that you particularly like? What was a, a a very good who scene for you here? Um, I kind of, I honestly like the regeneration, because I like mm. the the switching back and forth. I actually thought that was like one of the coolest parts, just because. I mean, yes, it was oddly timed, but like the regeneration visually itself, I thought was pretty cool, especially for you know mid nineties. There was something fun about old school Doctor Who because they didn't have a standard 
this is how regenerations look. So right. each one was different, unique. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now they're like glowing energy stuff. Glowing and exploding in pain. Although Matt Smith didn't really do that. That's true. There was just like a quick flash and suddenly he was Capaldi. Mm -hmm. Yeah. God, I mean, we kind of already started off talking about how good this fucking TARDIS is, too. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. The TARDIS is It's a really TARDIS. good TARDIS. I thought the TARDIS key was kind of interesting because it's a weird little, like... It, it doesn't look like a regular Earth key, which is kind of fun, as opposed to, you know, when they give off TARDIS keys. It's which, in like the Davies era, he does left and right. Like, he just... Oh, he's just tossing keys. <laughs> just being like... It's like Oprah with keys. You, you key? get a key, and you get a key. Here's a big moment. It's a key. Which I did love that Donna was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Going now. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, it, it just had that little bit of alien to it. Yeah, it wasn't just like a normal key. Oh, this is the first time that they had used the sonic screwdriver in like 20 years. Oh, that's right. Oh. Five, six, and seven didn't use the sonic ever. Other than when we see seven use it in this. Because they didn't want him to have a magic wand. They were like, it solves too many problems to just have mm -hmm. the Sonic. And they're not wrong. But, I don't know. It was just kind of fun. Of like that. Uh, apparently McCoy talked about how he used it wrong and they had to like blur something because he was holding the toy backwards. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> Who he knows? Just... Like, he just, he's never had to do it before. Right. That's funny. I feel I like, like the Sonic. Sonic has enough limitations, so it's not totally a magic wand. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, it's mostly his limitation is you can't attack with it and it doesn't work on wood. Wood. Which is just the ongoing... <laughs> you're like, okay, Green joke. Lantern. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fine, Alan Scott, get your shit together. They did do a novelization of this that apparently tries to fix some of the weird plot holes. Mm -hmm. I'm huh. so curious about whether... It makes it any better or not? Like, not that I hate this, but, like, it's not great. <laughs> no. I mean, there's lots of holes. Yeah. Uh, and then they immediately after did a novel called The Eight Doctors that is the guy who wrote that fucking hated this movie. Oh, shit. But he did like Paul McGann's Doctor. So, That's you know, fair. like a lot of people. Right. So he immediately has the Doctor again lose all of his memory. Oh. And has to travel... And he ends up meeting different doctors. Okay. And, like, will get his memories from one back after he, like, has his little adventure with one. At least that's how I, mm -hmm. like, that's I've never been able cool. to track it down. Because turns out any Doctor Who book from the 90s is a just nightmare to track down anymore. Because ownership and publishing rights have changed hands so many times. There's one book called Lung Barrow that was supposed to cover a lot of, like, background stuff they wanted to do with Doctor Who before mm. it got canceled. I found it for free to, like, read online, thank God, but, like, it was, like, the cheapest copy I found was, like, 150 bucks, and it was a cheap oh. paperback. Like... Wow. Fandom collecting sometimes works against us, if yeah. we're being honest mm -hmm. here. It does. I'm trying to think if I really have anything else to say about it, though, but I just keep thinking, like, oh, watching this kind of has me geared up to just go, like, watch other Doctor Who. Yeah. Yeah. I am looking forward to watching more Doctor Who. I uh, I need to get caught up still on Flux. I only watched, like, the first episode of that. Mm. The the most recent season. Yeah, I need to get caught up on uh, that, too. Yeah, I, I think I'm still two season, two and a half seasons back, so. 
So you've not seen most of Jody yet. No, I've not seen oh, most of Jody yet. Coming yeah. up then. Yeah, she is fun. I mean, as we talked about with our last one, I don't think Jody's season is the seasons or run is the strongest Doctor Who has ever been, but like it's good. Yeah, I do. And think, she's a great doctor. No, oh, and it hasn't had the lows that some. I mean, fear her. You and I have talked about this. So yeah. Like, Oof, fear her so bad. <laughs> so bad. I do think before I go hard into Jody again, though, that I'm going to at least rewatch Capaldi's last season. Oh, it was so good. Capaldi's last season, I mean, I'm sure I've said this about 20 times now, is probably my favorite season of Doctor Who overall. Yeah. I would. Doctor Who turns 60 with... next year, so that's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Capaldi's last season. Yeah. I also really want to rewatch the 50th anniversary. Oh, I did that one's recently. excellent. It it's holds so up extremely well. Yeah, I watched it recently. It's it's phenomenal. I mean, honestly, that that last scene with Tom Baker and Matt Smith is just give me that. Like, mm-hmm. give me more of that, and I would be I would be happy. Apparently, they've had to uh, deny multiple times that Hugh Grant is going to be the Doctor next. Mm. That rumor started up again. Mm-hmm. Oh. And he was. He was considered like it was going to be pretty much him or Eccleston, and he turned it down. Huh. And then watched Eccleston's season and was like, I oh, damn. Multiple <laughs> people have talked about turning down the doctor and being like, and then regretting I it. made a mistake. Fun thing. Two weeks ago on Fried Squirms, we covered a movie starring Hugh Grant and Peter Capaldi. What movie? Uh, Lair of the White Worm, based on a Bram Stoker novel. Oh, okay. <laughs> Made by Ken Russell, who did uh, Tommy. Like the Who's Tommy. Mm-hmm. Oh. Ken Russell's done a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a wild movie. <laughs> uh, do we have any last thoughts before we go into recommendations? Mm-hmm. Go in, watch it. Do not watch this if you have not seen a decent have, amount of Doctor I guess Who. I have one other question. Go ahead. Where do you guys rank this outfit amongst the Doctor Who? I'm since so they glad. all have such an iconic look. I gotta say, I like the outfit. It looks like something you would find in the back of like a high school drama closet. Mm-hmm. But that's why I like it because it's just it's just ridiculous, and it's he looks you know it's like. Yeah, it's like a. It looks like a bad costume, but it works because of that. I think, and it just kind of adds to his his camp. Mm-hmm. Because I like the other costume he wears so much more. The one in Night of the oh. Yes, the oh, one okay. in Night. Well, that it I mean, kind that of bugs me. Uh, but also, I don't have a problem with the costume. I don't like the wig that he's wearing very much in it. The long hair that's a wig. I I, I do like his shorter hair, which is weird because I usually like long hair, but like well, he Wait, wanted wasn't it actually a wig? Yeah, yeah it, it was one it was a wig. Oh, okay. Um He did not want to wear it either. He That explains so he why wanted to be the first bald doctor and he had shaved his head for oh. a different role that he had had. Oh, just oh like the they year wanted before. them he wanted him to have hair. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um but like the the hair he has and the I just I mean, the I knew pro- it didn't move, so I was like, is it a wig? Is it just a lot of hairspray? But it's a wig. It was the what? 90s. Either one was possible. And it limited what he could do, because apparently if he moved his forehead too much, you could see the seam. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Um, yeah, uh, I think it's fine. As I said, I think he's better with the shorter hair. It's just his hair. Like, mm-hmm. it just... I don't know. Yeah, I was about to say... Solid I- mid-standard doctor... It's not, you know, Tom Baker's scarf, although really the scarf is the part of Tom Baker's outfit that, like... Does it. Sticks. Oh, yeah. Um, 
I actually like Colin Baker's rainbow jacket more I than most it. people do, but I also myself like to wear every color at once if I can, so I like it more than Colin Baker liked it, who did not like his... It's definitely not even close to the same. It kind of reminds me almost like a happier version of uh, Pertwee. That Okay. Capaldi's looked a lot like Pertwee's. Right, I mean, Capaldi's I mean, is was, my favorite look. Mm-hmm. Capaldi's is. I feel it's, like that was intentional, wasn't especially it? Especially mm-hmm. later Capaldi, where he's a little more relaxed about it. He'll something like... I like the later ones, like his outfit in like the last season. Capaldi's first season in general was trying a little hard. It was. And then once he chill, like chilled out a little... And like, kind of relaxed into it. That's when I got really good. But like, I like this more than Davidson. Yeah, Davidson's fine. Yeah. Uh, if you're gonna compare Davidson to anyone else, His... it's Jody, and I think Jody wears it better. Yes, that's what I was gonna say. I was like, the color palette. Is uh, good. all of the doctors. Well, not, not all of them, but I mean, Matt Smith kind of ties into, uh, uh Troughton a little bit of similar mm-hmm. designs. I think. Smith's first costume is his best. Definitely. Although his I am sadder now and I'm wearing a little more formal clothes does look good and it does fit. This is an older version of Eleven than we have seen before. Yeah. The weird thing I run into with Smith's is that it doesn't seem like a doctor costume. It seems just like something Smith would wear. <laughs> that I actually do agree with that 100%. See, that's David Tennant for me. Dave, mm, I, yeah. I, I feel the same way about yeah. David Tennant, yeah. Which is funny because Eccleston's is the one that looks like someone would just put it on. Yeah, because his is just like jeans and a leather jacket and a t-shirt and a jumper. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it works though because it's so against what we normally see from the Doctor that it makes it iconic in its own right. And it's that, and Nine true. is so much just like trying to recover from stuff that he's kind of <laughs> just existing in some ways. That makes right. He's like, fuck you guys. I'm just going to choose something from my closet. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and, and Capaldi just wanted to look good. Mm-hmm. I think he's like, no, nah, I don't want, I don't want this stupid bow tie. I want. <laughs> well, and Capaldi, like in his first one, has that like it's like red velvet on the mm-hmm. inside, mm-hmm. and it's almost a little capish, and he wears it, and it looks real good. But I think, and he helped choose it because yes, he uh, did. Uh, Moffat was pretty clear of like he wasn't always the best at picking the doctor's outfit. So the clothing and people and had the like actor, a clear vision in his head of what he wanted. The Capaldi, so the, the actor and the clothing department would come together to figure something out. Mm-hmm. And that's how it worked best. But I feel like Capaldi did the season in that one and was like, I want something a little more comfortable for this. Like now that, and it makes sense because Capaldi's doctor spent the whole first time being like, I am the doctor and I will prove and I will be like everything the doctor needs to be. And then after his absolutely brilliant I'm not a good man I'm not a bad man speech fantastic he chills the hell out because he's an idiot in a box <laughs> yep passing through I'm not gonna go through the whole thing I want to though because um, <laughs> it's so good it's so good CC makes fun of me because I'll watch Doctor Who clips on YouTube and I just cycle through like Capaldi's best speeches um, there's a lot of they're so good but uh, and after that his doctor chilled out I do think, to get back to your original, this is a very good launching costume for McGann. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I do like how the costumes, other than, like, Tennant and Eccleston, kind of evolve over time. Mm-hmm. At least the ones that, like, stay long enough to yeah. do that. Um, so it kind of, on that, I think it, it feels like it makes sense that 
his ended where like it, yes exactly know, like the projection of it makes sense. Here's the start, and here is where I have become much more settled into who I am. Baker did that too. He went from a like his you know the costume mm-hmm. that we think of, while towards the end it was a much more kind of like scarlet and browns instead oh, of the much right. more varied. Yeah, and I think even the scarf like he had the long scarf, but I think the colors changed. Slightly. Don't quote me on that one. I've been wrong in like four things already this episode. <laughs> yeah. I think it's it's solid mid-tier for me. I don't know who mm-hmm. necessarily I'd rank below it, but I know that it's definitely not my least favorite. So. Yeah, no. Hartnell, probably. And there's Hartnell nothing wrong. Yeah, right. there's Hartnell nothing works wrong. for Hartnell, but it doesn't stick out in any way. No, no it's no. just... Trouton, relatively low. It works really well. He's almost Trouton's works. hair bugs me more than... Oh, Let the Beatles it bothers cut? me so much. Oh, I like the Beatles. I'm going to fight you on that I one. I think of the Three Stooges for some reason. Yes. <laughs> Thank I don't you. think of the Beatles. I, I think of the it. Three Stooges, yeah. I do like... Davies pointed out that like the Doctor kind of follows fashion trends in ways that people didn't really notice. I mean, the Beatles were big when Trouton was on the air, and he's got... A Beatles cut. Yeah. It's also a Three Stooges cut, but like early Beatles. Who were also popular. You know, uh, uh, Pertwee dresses like goddamn Jimi Hendrix. That That's actually a very valid point, he mm-hmm. does. Yeah. Uh, uh, four is very bohemian. Five is kind of like that post-hippie. Yeah. Freedom moment. Six is just wild, but like it was the 80s. Like no one was oh, making was the choices. Oh, it was the 80s. Choices. It didn't matter, mm-hmm. yeah. McCoy's second costume when he's not wearing nearly as many question marks on it, but is like it's very question marks. <laughs> McCoy didn't. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He. I mean, he wanted that kind of like darker. Yeah. Which I think fits him a little better. But look, it's better than him showing up in an entire movie with shit on his head. Holding grudges on the Hobbit, I see. <laughs> okay, maybe a little bit. <laughs> Do we have any recommendations? I'm oh, going to go then, because you guys are both had gave me the look. Um, I'm just going to go, and I know I've said this before, but go check out the Paul McGann Doctor Who audio episodes. There are several of them. There's a whole season's worth on Spotify for free. Oh, shit. I listened to the first ones. Ju- literally just look up Doctor Who, and under artists, there'll be Doctor Who, and there's a bunch of, from a lot of different doctors, but like... I'm going to say the Paul McGann ones in particular, because this is the Paul McGann episode. I already talked about it, but I'm going to recommend Murderville. Murderville? Yeah, it's a lot of, there was one little bit of it that I forgot to explain, like, that's all, at the end of it, it's kind of a game show, but there's no real prizes, because, like, they're all fucking (laughs) celebs and shit anyway, but they do have to, like, try to guess who (laughs) solved the crime at the end, and there is a correct answer and a wrong answer, and as they go through the different scenes, like, there are clues that are being given and stuff, so... It's it's just kind of fun to see if they get it or not. So, cool. um, I am going to recommend Gentleman Jack. Oh, you've been telling um, me that show and too. season two starts April tenth. Wow, they put a long time between those seasons. I think COVID messed up a lot of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. fair enough. Um, because they were supposed to start filming in mid twenty twenty. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, so that comes out and that shows absolutely amazing. It's about a Victorian so, era lesbian. Just yep. a real quick of explanation. Eight, yeah, eighteen forties. <laughs> real woman too. Mm, real baller. woman. Yep. They found her diary, and she had a whole. Co- she wrote in code. She made a code about all her like lesbian escapades, which is oh. kind of cool. My favorite yeah. part of the code is when she said kisses. She meant orgasms. Yes, she did. <laughs> so she and she like, would note like four kisses. Like, 
All right. And you're like, good job, girl. And then you realize it and you're like, good job, girl. (laughs) High five to you. That's awesome. I think I had heard mention of that show before, but I didn't know quite what it was about. I can't think of her name. Gentleman Jack was like her local nickname because she just was a force of fucking nature. Ann Lister. Thank you. They've done a couple shows on Ann Lister over the years, but I think this is like one of the highest regarded ones. Mm -hmm. And Sir Ann Jones, uh, she plays her. She's just She was on Doctor Who, wasn't she? I don't know. I recognize the See, name, that, so I assume Doctor Who. Like that's dream I crossovers. Mm, yeah, I feel enough. like if Jody's Doctor would meet Gentleman Jack, uh, I would. Yaz would be very jealous. Um. Yaz would be jealous, <laughs> or maybe the Doctor would be jealous because Yaz would just go after Gentleman Jack. But that would be a whole Either series. Either way, I'm I would sure there's fan fiction if you want to go look for it. Like, I should just write my own. <laughs> I am going to look up her filmography right now because I'm just because we've been talking so much Doctor Who. I'm curious. She shows up in a Sarah Jane Adventures two episodes. Ah, that's where that's I, what it is. Yeah. Oh, she. Oh. Oh, no wonder she's recognizable. She shows up in a Doctor episode. She's in the fucking Doctor's Wife. Oh! Yes, she is. She is the TARDIS girl? Woman? She is... She's... um, uh, Yeah. 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 Oh, she's big and... Oh, she's great. She's She's fantastic. God, that was such a good episode. Neil Gaiman right there for you. Mm -hmm. Uh... As much as Heidi's our person, when it comes time to do that episode, which we will, I might have to pull in Cece for her Neil Gaiman love. Uh, That's fair. We can do both. We can yeah. have multiple. Yeah, totally. Um, but next time, we will be covering Our Flag Means Death, because that's what the coin flip we did on the break tells us we're doing, and uh, also because it is awesome, as you heard from our earlier stuff. And that's going to make you finish it. Not that you weren't going to. I was to. going to tonight anyways. Like, you were going to tonight, plan is, but... That's now it's also that, homework. That's the pirates, right? Yes. Yes, oh, cool. Queer pirates. Queer pirates. I'm here for it. It's a lot of them. Yeah. I'm just like, it's cool. No, you would like it. The All first right. few episodes are a little slow, but they're like good. And Is they that get HBO? Better. Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. You can, yeah, the first few you can tell they're building and that's building. Fair. And then when Blackbeard comes in, that's when it really, like, the show takes off. And nice. All the things that most comedies play for comedic subtext just becomes text. Ooh. Hell yeah. All right. But that's next time. Heidi, thank you for joining us as yes, always. Yes, thank you. This mm-hmm. was fun. Sure, we'll see you again. Uh, in the meantime, this is General Nerdery. We're your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. Dismissed. Hi, everybody. General Tyler here. If you like the show, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us right now, or preferably over at Apple Podcasts, we would super appreciate it, as the whole world is around on algorithms, and we want to be all up in them, getting our voice out to more places. Uh, Also, I mean, tell your friends. We always appreciate that. Uh, If you want to get in contact with us, ask us questions, give us comments, Email us, generalnerderypod at gmail.com. You can also contact us through our website, www.generalnerdcast.com. While you're there, check out all of our back catalog, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network. Uh, Go check out all of our sister shows. We're involved with most of them, so if you already like listening to us talk, it might be in your best interest. And if you want to check out everything from the network, head over to earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. We'd super appreciate it. Love you all. Have a good one.